Yes, hello folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United show. I'm your host as always, Phil Brancho, with my regular co-host here now, Colin McGuigan, as we dissect everything that's going on over Manchester United the last few days. We were going to record this podcast yesterday before the Atletico Madrid game. It may have been slightly different because we'd have been reflecting on the Spurs game. Now, of course, uh, we're taking a look at what happened to Atletico, uh, the commentary after that. Of course, other things have gone on at Manchester United, we'll talk about that too. But first of all, Colin, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, all good. Thanks for winning, Phil. Um, just getting over last night's defeat and obviously after a good win at the weekend, we thought possibly we were gonna gonna do the business last night. I was very confident for once. And uh yeah, no, it wasn't to be. You know, for United, United haven't done enough for me to get my confidence. Confidence comes with trust and I just, uh, Gary Neville said something this morning and it, it encompassed sort of my thoughts um, yesterday. I was talking about this and I was going, look, any good team should beat United, right? I mean, because United are still lacking so many of the basics that a good team should always be able to beat Manchester United. And I think um, the, the talk of United being able to win the Champions League was always absurd to me. Right? And this just is an illustration of what it's like to follow Manchester United because when they win, everything is perfect and everything is fixed. And this is almost, to me, encompasses what happens with the players. Because the players are 45. We, you know, sometimes it's from game to game. Now it's from 45 minutes to 45 minutes. I feel like after they win a game, they themselves feel like, well, everything's all right. You know, we don't need to go out in the next game and play like we still have a point to prove. We've seen this so many times. So after the Burnley game, they go to Newcastle, they draw, shocking, right? And we see us how many times they win. Follow that up with a poor performance, poor result, because they feel like they've answered their critics. And I felt that in some ways last night they were winning that game with that attitude. It's it's hard to, to take it in. And like I think I've sent you it there. I think what epitomizes things at Manchester United at the minute is Marcus Riceford comes on yesterday. He loses, I think he gets the ball four times and he loses it three times out of four. At any level of football, that isn't acceptable. I don't care if you're if you're playing in the in the garden. You you don't lose the ball three times out of four that you've got it, especially at that level. Um, and then we see him with fans last night at the back of Old Trafford when he's going to his car, giving the finger towards fans who are questioning why he's not overshining autographs for kids. And to be honest, Marcus Riceford should be over there doing as much as he can because these fans have stuck by him. We have been with Marcus Riceford for a number, a number of months while he has not played well. It's got to the point now where he's turning on us. You you mentioned it the other week on the podcast with me about how he leaked that and it wasn't the right time to leak that from his camp. And do you know what? I, I do think Marcus Riceford might leave. And I think it'll be the best thing for him and the best thing for us. He's not good enough to play for Manchester United. It's as simple as that. He showed glimpses, but he isn't consistent enough. Okay, here's the thing. Of all the things that I can criticize Rashford for, um, that really isn't one of them to me. Because I'm not saying he's right. He's not right. He's wrong, right? And he shouldn't react that way. But the one thing we all have to understand is that you have to allow someone to be human, right? And I don't care what profession you're in. I don't care who you are, what you do. Every once in a while, you're going to bite a criticism. That's just human nature. We see it on Twitter. We see it online. People get a feeling. People, when the people feel attacked, 
they naturally become defensive, right? That's normal. I I have no problems. Uh, I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve criticism for first performances. He does. But, you know, there's an old saying, if you, publishers tell um, authors this, never read your big reviews because you will ignore the millions of positive comments and ruminate on the one negative. That's human nature, right? Marcus Rashford is still a human being. And yes, you get a lot of praise at Manchester United, but you also get a lot of criticism too. It's the best place to be when things are going well, and it's the worst place to be when things are not going well. So for me, with Rashford, I understand it. I understood when Cantona jumped into the stand and hit the fan. I'm not saying there's an equivalency there, because obviously Cantona was abused, right? And there's a difference between criticism and abuse. But fans have to understand, when players are constantly getting grief, every once in a while someone's going to snap. Someone's going to say something. And that's just human nature. But I, I understand it from what you're saying there. I agree with that point. It is just human nature. But when you couple it up with the things like him releasing it through his agent the, the day after we could beat, the, the things that Agreed. he's done over the over the past few few months. So, you know, where does the, the line stop? There has There is... I spoke about this to you last week. There's no one in that squad that I can imagine other than Ronaldo who goes in there and starts asking questions of other individuals. Our own captain can't do it. I, I'm, I'm fed up. Like, I've been on the, the Harry Maguire. I've backed him for months upon months to people. I backed Fred when he wasn't playing well. I've backed them all, and Maguire just doesn't show anything to be good enough to play for Manchester United. I, I don't understand how he continues week in, week out, to make simple mistakes to show no leadership but continues to play. And I, you've been very vocal on this podcast of saying Randick's doing a good job. Is he really doing a good job? Of course he is. But is he? It, well, here's the thing. Is there needs to be a realisation of what was what you needed to have, what was expected, and the realisation that Manchester United are not a good manager away from solving their problems. Manchester United oh, I agree with that. deep, deep problems. The Ten Hag will face, the Pochettino will face. So in the circumstances, he's doing a good job. If you evaluate him in relation to other managers that don't have to put up with the nonsense that Ranjik does, where everything's normal, everything's a football structure, should he be getting bad results? Maybe. But when you realise the absolute mess, you're sitting here talking about uh, Rashford wanting to leave. Martial wants to leave. Pogba's definitely going. Cavani wants to go. It's not ever a stop to ask why why do all these players want to go because I think that's an important question I think we can all right go everyone's thing their hook but maybe there's a real toxic reason inside that football club why so many players want to leave because I can go down through the previous years and the year before that 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 here we are sitting the longest United have gone without a trophy for since the 70s 73s right Despite spending money, right, massive, massive ineptitude, right, from the top down. They created this problem, and I feel like a broken record saying this, right? They created the problem that exists at Manchester United. And so, for me, when you talk about what Ranić has to deal with, a guy on a, 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 a guy's got there for a couple of months with no ability to make any major changes, 
he's done a really good job getting the best out of players that actually want to play. He said something a couple of weeks ago, Calm, I think it's really important. He talked about Elanga. And he said, you know, maybe players want to play with a smile on their face and copy this lad and be happy that they're playing for Manchester United. Most of those players aren't happy they're playing for Manchester United. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, do you uh, just think he's do you just think he's good because we've learned to live with mediocrity at this no, point? No, absolutely not. I think before you can even begin to evaluate Ranić, before you can begin to wonder whether he's doing a good or a bad job, there's so many other problems that are existing. You know, this is about like before we start evaluating the people that are rowing the boat, we got about 14 holes in the first, right? So I don't know if these people rowing the boat are very, very good or not. First of all, we got to stop the boat sinking, and then we can find that out. But right now, whenever you're putting holes all over the boat and it's sinking, it seems to me absurd to turn around and say whether Ranick's doing a good or bad job or not. We've had great managers, though, that can't do any better. I get what you're saying, but, but I look at those substitutes last night, and I look at a manager who shows that he's got some sort of balls, he's got a bit of something about him he, he's respected in the changing room right, I like to see someone showing a bit of that, I haven't seen it from him yet, I do what do you think he should do differently there's a number of things he could be doing differently like there's, he, he could be more vocal in terms of he's coming out and he's wishy-washy in what he's saying like Scones was saying it yesterday, he's very he, he's, not, he's not giving you a definitive answer, if any questions put to him He's not giving us definitive answers. So, about what, give me an example of that. Okay, so that that whole thing about Lingard that came out, did mm-hmm. he say it or didn't he say it? Because we, we didn't get an answer. We, we didn't. Me and you still don't know that answer, do we? Well, he gave you his side. Jesse Lingard contradicted it. He didn't change his story. You can choose to believe if you want. I mean, no, what's, but, what's but the alternative? Where... Does he come back and say, you know what? I already told you. What he didn't come back and say is what I said was wrong. Yeah, but if if that's a, a manager like Sir Alex Ferguson or someone with a bit of authority in the change room, he comes out and says, Jesse Lingard won't play for this club again. He undermined me. Simple well, as that. Well, sure. He did, he's tried to do that with Rio Ferdinand. When Rio Ferdinand met with Chelsea, but him, Ferguson's back with Peter Kenyon. And Ferguson came out and criticised him and played him. Yeah, the difference is, though, Rio Ferdinand was playing well for the club. But, you know I, I mean? so, but, but Rio Ferdinand, while he's playing well for a club, has got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with the manager setting precedent for players saying, you don't get to do this. Nah, I, I just think there's something about Ranić that it just doesn't sit right with me. Like, even last night making the subs, and I, I've touched on Lingard there, but he brought Matic on. Now, mm-hmm. Matic is a defensive player. Matic actually looked okay when he came on. Why did he bring Matic on? Why did he not? And why did he bring Matic on? Matic's been frozen out. Lingard has played in the game. on with six minutes to go, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't bring on Lingard, though. Okay. Well, and so we have to also allow for the fact that we don't know what goes on inside the dressing room, right? Yeah. Sponsors, sure. fans have spent two years asking for why isn't Van der Beek starting and we're getting an answer at Everton, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Jesse Lingard, a guy who's repeatedly undermined a football club, made it clear he doesn't want to play here. You know, so maybe there's something going on. Secondly, uh, the third area, the performative stuff about coming out and saying this or saying that. The re- Ralph Ranić has to try to sow uh, <clears throat> some type of harmony in that dressing room, not discord. And sure, he can come out and say he's a twat, he's a twat. Get him out, get him out, get him out. Right? He could do that. 
I don't see how it helps them. I don't see how it helps the dress. No, it might be great for you and me. It might be great. Yes, go on, Ralphie, go on. That's what I want to hear. I've seen people want Roy Keenan dressing room for 10, 15 minutes. We didn't solve anything, right? Be performative, it'd be great to watch on one of those Amazon documentaries and everything, but that's not how you fix a working environment. You know, it's so, at the end of the day, he told Jesse Lingard he could go. It's not his fault he's at the football club, right? He turned around and said, Quite clearly, what Jesse Lingard did and didn't do. Jesse Lingard then came out and contradicted him. Right. <clears throat> so unless he wants to turn us into a run soap, soap opera, but what Jesse Lingard did and didn't do, it really doesn't matter at this point because he doesn't want up the football club. He doesn't have a future at the football club. Um, and quite frankly, if Jesse Lingard is having a major influence on what's going on in that dressing room, you know, they've got bigger problems and rough on you. Okay, but my point is, is then it is a run on soap opera because he started Jesse Lingard last week. So it's different if if he's adopting the approach of not playing him. I I I agree with that. But he didn't play Mata for I don't know how long, and he plays him ahead of Lingard. You know what it seems like to me? He's taking players and he's throwing them in and saying, "Let's how go to work." Let's see if this doing works. that performance. Yeah, but but what how are you doing it? Because you got to play your way into a team, right? Yeah, you've you've got to play okay, your so way. So how are you doing that performance like, when he started? He but he wasn't. Rate over overly bad. He was average. Okay, so he didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve to keep the shirt. And there is the problem. He didn't deserve with some, to start. There's okay. So there's the problem with so many matches native players. How many of them are undroppable? Ronaldo. Okay, maybe. Right. So Ronaldo scores a hat trick at the weekend. Nobody says he doesn't have that in his locker. Of course he does. He's still going to score goals at the highest level. But the, that isn't the question. The question with someone like Cristiano Ronaldo and why you pay the money for what you do or any of these top players like Cavani or anything else, is are they going to consistently make the difference in the big, big games, right? Because if you play for Manchester United, it's already accepted you're a top player or you should be a top player, right? <clears throat> so there's a every team in the Premier League has a striker that will score goals against Watford, that will score goals against the weaker teams that will give you the space. United can buy a striker that can do that. But that's not what makes you world-class. That's not what makes you a top striker. What makes you a top striker is, can you make the difference in the big games? And I think Ronaldo is a big game player, magnificent. But to say that he is someone that should be leading the line of a football club that wants to win the Premier League, I don't think so. Right? I still think he's a very, very good player. And I think when it comes to the problems at United, just like Ralph Ranić, he's way down the list. Right. So before you can even get into seriously identifying Ronaldo as a problem, you got to fix so many other ones first. So to me, I think uh, this is the problem with Lingard. Now, what I will say is there's inconsistency is surely if this was based on performance, I don't understand why Harry Maguire starting and I don't understand that, why it would have any that that I will. I, I don't expect to agree with everything Ralph Ranić does or any manager that comes in. But in later mm-hmm. the circumstances, you know, to me, maybe that says more about the players that are behind them. The fact that Varane isn't fit enough consistently to play week in, week out to take that shirt. Uh, you've had injury issues with Lindelof um, with his heart and other, other issues, COVID and what have you. Uh, Baye was, you know, he played in that Burnley game and then off to the African Cup of Nations, we haven't seen him again. Again, a player that's too inconsistent with fitness which just is more likely the reason why an editor looking at someone like a Rudiger. I think right now, the best thing to do for the rest of the season is 
get a manager in within the next two weeks. Give him the guts of two months to work out who he wants rid of in the squad because you know what's going to happen again. We get in a manager. He looks at the preseason and then we're back to square one again when the season starts because he doesn't know who actually he wants in around this squad. So you I, would go you I actually, Pochettino because I would I have no interest in Pochettino, quite frankly. I know you've made it clear you have no interest in Pochettino. I think I would take Pochettino, I would take Ten Hag. Why? One either or I would take Lewis. I've I said this the other week. I think Pochettino has hasn't been dealt the cards that he should have been dealt the PSG. He's got very unlucky. He was, he has, he's got very yeah, look at the you're, team you're he has. At look at the team he, he has at PSG. Exactly. Do, do you know that's actually harder? Because he has so many stars to try and contend with. This That 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 team is toxic. Like, you've seen the fans at booing every touch Neymar and Messi had at the weekend. That PSG team, I'm, I'm telling you now, Pochettino was a good manager. He you're telling very, me that it's harder with, with world-class players than what? I mean, I don't understand why Watford aren't winning the Champions League, mate. No, it's trying to keep everyone happy. It's hard. He's just so, trying to keep too many players happy. So there's a problem. <laughs> we understand this is a problem managing big egos and keeping them happy. And you want him at Man United. Now he's I'm supposed to be Mr. So nice guy. To him. He's supposed to be the nice guy. He's supposed to be the arm on the shoulder type guy that you know was great. All the players loved him at Spurs. No, but here you've got a situation at PSG where you've got a bunch of overpaid stars that are more interested in their brands, and you want this guy at Man United. I, I think he does a good job at Manchester United. He knows what the Premier League. He, know, he knows the Premier League. He has a way with players that he did at Spurs. So Neil Warnock. Kind of, I know, but come on, we're, we're, we're talking nonsense now. You know, Pochettino brought Spurs But knowing the, the Premier League isn't... isn't it, knowing the Premier League, how, how, how well did Pep Guardiola know the Premier League? How, did Jürgen, how well did Jurgen Klopp know the Premier League? Okay, well, I'll ask you the same question then, right? No, no, I'm so just asking me how, how well do they know the Premier League? They're both the two best managers in the Premier League. This, by some this is my response. If either of them were managing Manchester United right now, where would we be? Okay, but here's the thing. The answer to that question, if the two best managers in the Premier League can't make a success of Manchester United, why would Mitchell Pochettino? Well, why, why would anyone else? I don't answer with it's... the question. Answer it. If the two best managers in the Premier League cannot be successful at Manchester United, why would Pochettino? Because he was successful with a Spurs team that should never have made the Champions <laughs> League final. No, the it, Champions it's League obvious. final. Yeah, but he done a very good job at Spurs. He and by the way, with a, with a, a, a last minute winner at Ajax, that was fair play. I'm okay, but that yeah, you're telling me that that's what makes a that's what makes a Manchester United manager a guy gets the Champions League final. That's it. No, but, but you you said that you wanted Zidane. You know right? else got the Champions League final? I'm from Grant. Okay. Okay, but that's that's his credit and achievement, mate. I'm 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 asking you to give me I'm 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 open-minded. If there's something about Pachettino I'm missing, let me know and I'll certainly reconsider it. And I, I, on the spot, I'm not too sure. I want <laughs> I want Pochettino. I want them ahead of Ten Hag and I want them ahead of Sudan. Okay. Simple as that. Uh, as I it also happens, want, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I was going to say I'm not 100% sold on Ten Hag either, right? But here's the thing, right? There is no obvious guy out there, and maybe Pacetino comes in and does well. I don't know. But the problems that are existing for Ralph Ranić, the problem, are the same problems that existed for Mourinho, the same problems that existed for 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 Solskjaer, the same problems that existed for Moise. T- remember when United played Olympiacos <clears throat> away in the Champions League? And it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. 
absolutely atrocious. Then they get the Bayern, play Bayern Munich, and the feeling before that Bayern Munich game was neither than the one they're good enough. In fact, it was shock when Patrice Avery scored away from home. We're thinking, oh my God, they get knocked out comfortably. United are, are, are probably worse today than what they were then. And that takes a special type of an aptitude to spend a billion plus, right? And be further away from winning the Champions League and the Premier League than at any point during the last nine years since you've been in charge, which not David Gill I'm talking about, Woodward A.M. Right? <clears throat> so there's clearly something seriously wrong with how they're running the football club because... They have no right to ask for your patience. The only thing that would justify any type of patience is if they came out today and said, the way we've run this football club for the last nine years has been an absolute catastrophe, a disgrace, and we're going to change the way we run this football club completely, something of that nature. Then you're saying, okay, but are you really hearing that you know they're going to change how they're doing business? I don't hear that. Right? <clears throat> By the way, this could easily get much worse. Right? Because the people running this football club have no idea what they're doing. None. Right? And they're sitting here giving you platitudes and using things that are not trackable or traceable. Like, we're going to create a professional atmosphere. Who released that statement? David Brandt? Right? I mean, this is ridiculous. How do you turn around after a year or two and go, well, let's get that big ruler out. Is there a professional atmosphere? I mean, what? You know, truthfully... They should be turning around and saying to themselves, look, we've been here nine years. We've had a billion plus. We've had a go point in five or six monitors. We're miles away. We're embarrassed. We're embarrassed about what the fans have to put up with. Not only are we miles away from winning titles, but our fans have to watch Liverpool and City dominate everything. We're going to walk away here. No. What do they say? Give us an argo word, boys. Right? And you, I don't care how bad it gets, you are going to keep paying. Right? Because that's the one thing they always bank on. That's the one thing the sponsors bank on. It's one thing the producers bank on. No matter how hot it gets, you will keep paying. There's there's only so much of this that we can take as fans, though. So we'll have to we'll have to be honest here as well. This isn't gonna change overnight, and that's that's a fact, that's a reality of it. There's problems behind the scenes that you've you've touched on that are just at the moment, seem so far away from ever being fixed. But what we can do at the moment is put some sort of performance on the pitch that is worth being counted for. I mean, if me and you are talking right now, that, that that definitely isn't the best Man United team we've ever seen. It's not the worst Man United team we've ever seen. It, it may be the worst performing Man United team we've ever seen, but collectively, talent-wise... It's not the worst Man United team we've ever seen. So there has to be something there that we can do. And whether it is that someone else comes in and Randnick moves upstairs in the director of football role, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I don't know if that is the, the fix. I don't know if that's the best thing. I don't know if Pochettino is the, the answer. I don't know if Ten Hag is. I don't know if Zidane. I don't know who is the, the answer. But there has to be a change. The, the change after Solskjaer, which I knew was going to be the same, it was always going to be the same. Nothing was ever going to change because, as you said, the problem's much more. But the players on the pitch are not performing. Your role as a manager is to get the players on the pitch to perform. So whilst Ranick's being thrown out at the deep end, and I, I do agree with you on that, the players aren't performing. We've went out of the Champions League. Some of the performances have been horrendous. There needs to be some sort of change. Before you get to Ranick, before you do anything like that, 
it's the responsibility of the football club to have a structure in place that allows the manager to remove excuses from the players, right? So when a player doesn't perform and players repeatedly don't perform, there has to be a structure at the club that says you are going to pay a consequence for that. That is either going to be you are either going to be sold or we sit on a bank, whatever the consequences are within the natural parameters of football. But that doesn't happen at Manchester United. And I made the analogy last week about the babysitter. And this is essentially what Banyak is, is a babysitter. Right? Yeah. And when you're coming into a house that has no rules, no discipline, where kids can do what they want, a babysitter is a total waste of time because they have soft power, they have no authority to do anything. And yes, you can come out and say, these kids are brats, it's their fault. But the probability that these kids are going to listen, you go, well, you know what, the babysitter just called me a brat and to get my, my, myself in line is insane. Right? And so this is enabled by the people above them. So before you bring in a manager, right, what are they managing? Right. What are they managing? Because that's the first question the people above Ranik have to ask themselves. Right. Are they managing, you know, and, and to, to borrow uh, Richard Arnold's terms, and I've used this one before, uh, 26 George Clooney's. If that's what they're managing, then that's OK. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get 26 self-absorbed people that really don't care about collective success because that's harder to monetize than individual. That's what you get. Right. And Carl and 26 George Clooney's and to, you know, to work towards one single collective goal, very difficult. Right. So before, you know, we, we get to the, that, the structure has to be in place that supports a manager. And this is what United have never done. And you heard Mourinho talk about this when he was separating himself from the failures of the football club and illustrating the history of failure. So this is what I'm saying, that it goes much deeper than, than, than and it's up to the football club to, to provide that first. So let me ask you then, Red, you get a phone call in the morning and it's Richard Arnold and he says, Phil, here's the keys to the club. Change whatever you need to change. This makes this club the way that you think this club should be. What would you be changing? What's the first thing you do? Well, it's a hard question to ask because, first of all, you have to be privileged of data and information that you and I don't have, right? So we're on the outside looking in. We're doing a lot of guesswork on things. But the first and foremost thing that you would have to change at Manchester United <clears throat> is that the football club puts collective success above that of the individual, that it's not a football club set up solely with the purpose of monetizing everything, right? Some things come before monetization. So, in other words... The people that are making the big decisions at the football club, right? It's not an executive made up of financial people who know nothing about football. Because there's two boards at United. There's the football board that's really don't have it's it's got limited, uh, it's got it, it, it doesn't have any ability to affect serious change to football club, then you've got the real board. That would change, right? Immediately. And there would be proper football structures put in place to support a manager. Um, were, you know, if, if uh, you know, how often do we talk about the transfer committee at Liverpool now? Where'd I go? Yeah. It's gone. And don't exist because club runs that football club. So football people making football decisions, right? And, and, and football people not having soft power, football having real play. Football. If you look at Bayern Munich, even the money people have a football background. You can do that. Do you think there's, a, there's an argument that 
a duo like Edwin van der Sar and Ten Hag to come into the club would be fresh, new ideas, give us some sort of stability because van der Sar is a football man. And I know, look, I, I have my reservations about Ten Hag and you know how I feel about Pochettino. I'd rather Pochettino. I would rather Zidane than Ten Hag. But do you think that's a possible opportunity? Um, it all depends. And this is what I'm saying. It, it, I'm less concerned about the title of the job than actually what's in the details. So if they have legitimate power to make changes at Manchester United, then sure, because United are not special. I mean, they're no different than any other football club or any other business. You get enough parts right, it'll be successful. But um, but there's a reason why it's not successful. There's so many problems underlying that I can't think fans of other clubs ever have to think about what we have to think about as United fans, what we're speaking about right now. This is this is a serious problem at our club, and it's tough because we've watched all these other teams like Liverpool and Arsenal go through hardships, and we've never really been in it. We've been spoiled with success for years. So it, it hurts that there wasn't that opportunity this year to get a bit of silverware. It hurts that we've seen Ronaldo come back to the club. Remember whenever he signed? I remember being ecstatic. I thought we're definitely we're 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 in with a shout. We've got a real opportunity of winning something this year. We we could win the league this year. I remember thinking to myself, we could win the league just based on the fact that we've got someone like Ronaldo to the club. Do you think next year possibly Ronaldo will leave then this summer? Think, or would it be a bad thing? I think um, if he was a bit younger, that was a, it's a really distinct possibility. Uh, the problem for Ronaldo is he's running out of places to go. And so even if he leaves United, he's not joining another top club, right? He, you know, no one else, no one. And if he is, he's going to have to deal with sitting on the bench. So I think he'll stay um, because he's still the best of all the options he has available. Uh, also, would it be a good thing? Uh, it all depends. It all depends on the type of player you need to go out and sign next. Um, so... Uh, I think, um, you know, when people talk about Harry Kane and stuff, I know we talked about this, um, there's no way you needed to drop in that type of money on a 29-year-old. It's just not happening, right? And so um, they don't have it, first of all. Uh, and secondly, they just wouldn't do it. It's just not how the football club operate. Um, so, but uh, we, we're now down. To, we, we will have very few strikers, right? So I know you're saying we don't have it. The club genuinely have to have it because they have to spend money on a striker this summer. There is no way we're going into next next year with Ronaldo, who's at the end of his career, and possibly only Alanga as two recognised forwards. No, they, I mean, if you turn around, could they find 150 million for a striker? Sure, but not, they, not, not, not for anything else. You know, not for a midfielder to replace Pogba, not for a right back or a centre back which most likely explains why they're looking at people like Rudiger on a free. Um, but um, so, you know, there just isn't 150 million plus another 100 million here, 70 million debt in race and all this. It's just insane. Like, there's just no way. You know, they're sending two players of 100 million plus this summer. No way whatsoever. So um, so what you're going to have to accept in that situation is if you get one star striker, uh, the rest will be cheap players, you know, maybe even James Garner given a chance. I don't know. So, um, but I agree that they badly need a striker. But come look at the strikers they've been signing over the last four or five years. 
You've been signing Ibrahimovic. They've been signing uh, Ronaldo. They've been signing Cavani. These are older players available, and you have to keep kicking this can down the road. Right? And so this mythical Holland buyout clause, how relevant is that now? You know, I yeah. mean, this is apparently why we missed out on one of the best young strikers in the world because of a, a buyout clause. Did, so did Borussia Dortmund not have to agree to that buyout clause or did it disappear? There's there's only two strikers that, that I would want. You know, we missed out on uh, the guy who went to UVA, Flavic. And to be honest, as you said, he was probably the best option at that time, who was cheap, who we definitely should have signed in January and we didn't. For whatever reason... We won't know. There's only two strikers. Well, maybe three. I would put Lewandowski into that. But again, he's on that older side of things where you're looking at the same thing with Cavani, Ronaldo, Ibrahimovic again. But there is only Haaland who we're not going to get and Harry Kane. So that's why I think Harry Kane is the perfect signing. And I know you keep saying that we're not going to spend that money on a 29-year-old. But if Harry Kane can give you five years and it's an investment of a hundred and whatever million it is, it's a good investment. It's an investment that should have happened three, four years ago whenever we were wasting money on players. Let me ask so, you this. Do you think whenever Conte said two weeks ago that he was got all his assurances from Spurs about what they were going to do in this summer, one of them was I'm going to sell Kane? Agree, but how long has Harry Kane got left on his deal? Oh, he's got years. His, his brother, has he got years, yeah? Yeah, his brother is the idiot sent a contract. I'm not too sure, but at the same at the same time, Harry Kane came out and said that he, he wants to be winning trophies. That the fact of the matter is you could send Jesus Christ in the Spurs and he's not going to win trophies. So that that's a, a fact. That's a Spurs United man. I think United and Spurs are in very similar situations. No, I disagree. I think I think maybe it's just because we've been spoiled with success over the years, but I do think we, we will be back. It's only a matter of time, I think. There's going to be changes at the football club that will mean that all uh, you you laugh because you are a bit pessimistic in terms of Manchester United because you see all that's going on behind the the scenes and you think that's a be all and end all. I don't. I see the positives out of it. I, I, there's very few positives this year, but I do see the positives out of this. There's an opportunity this summer for the club to spend money, and you say we, we don't have it. The, the simple fact is they're going to have to spend money. Where they're getting the money from, I don't know, but they need to spend it because if not, how, how much worse can we get? If we don't qualify for, for Europe, there's a serious amount of money being lost by the club. They don't want that again. Yeah, so the thing is, mate, um, with United, like I said, there'll be revenue. If you take a look at what's going on at Chelsea, right? You know, people used to say if United were up for sale, only some like the Saudis could buy them. You know, not many people buy well, we've clearly seen that's not true, right? If Nedo were for sale, you would have a bunch of bars emerge very quickly that would snap that football club up. So you might have some revenue fluctuation, you know, with you know, micro results of not qualifying for Champions League and all that. Stuff. But remember, when they do qualify for Champions League, the revenue, uh, their, their overhead also goes up because they have to pay more in wages, they have to pay more in bonuses and everything else, right? <clears throat> so how much they actually make or lose. They don't get they don't get hit for another year with that Adidas deal. Um, so they're all right there. You know, they're not a team that's going deep in the Champions League anyway, right? So they're essentially a team that if they get out of the group stages, once they get into the knockout stages, and as we've seen over the last nine years, they're United won one knockout game. Um, it's not reasonable to expect United to go deep in these competitions, right? So <clears throat> the revenue loss 
of not calling for the Champions League for one year, probably not that not much. Um, and the fact that um, you know the, the only thing that makes me question about how much they'll spend is you would imagine any new manager coming in would demand that, right? That this is, uh, and they usually do support a new manager quite a bit in his first season. Um, so I can see they're doing some stuff, but there's also a financial reality to be had that there's a football club that bought a hundred million to to cover its operating costs just over a year ago, a year year and a half ago. So um, and they're losing Pogba on a free, they're losing Lingard on a free, they're losing Cavani on a free, they lost Mason Greenwood essentially on a free, right? Um, which you know always demands a statement that you know, at the least of the concerns in that situation, but that's the reality. So where does United find a couple of hundred million? It's a lot of money to go and buy these players from. It's just I just don't see where it comes from. It's just basic arithmetic. But um, and I think they've got multiple problems. I think I think they know they're not spending this summer to win the league. They're spending this summer to improve, and that's unacceptable to me. So. I don't know, mate. I, I have concerns about this because <clears throat> what you see is a direct result of the mindset of the owners, and I don't see that changing. Yeah, sad, sad situation, and hopefully things turn around because it's it's becoming very consistent, these feelings at, at Manchester United, and there's nothing really being done about it. Well, it's, we're a football club trading off our past, that's it. You know, I mean, if, if you look at everything that Manchester United is today, there's no reason to fear any of them. But if, if you're a top football club, you know, it's it, it, everything that United are is about what it's done in the past. And that's just really sad to me. And that, you know, to me, until the likes of Richard Arnold start doing interviews with people that are, they can ask, they, they aren't in control of the questions, where they aren't in control of how you hear their answers, um, where they're going to be openly challenged and open dialogue, then I, I, I don't have any confidence. And I don't think they've got any right to ask for your patience or trust considering everything that's happened over the last nine years. So let's put a petition out. Richard Arnold, come on the podcast, talk to me and Phil. Let's have a chat. Let's see mm-hmm. actually if you have anything about you, Richard Arnold. Oh, I've already, already chased that. I was told <laughs> he would, but believe me, I'd see it, believe I want to see it. So, folks, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Thanks, as always, Colin. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, thanks to all of you for your likes, downloads, retweets, and everything. Don't forget this podcast brought to you in partnership with SP Sports, who you can get all your customized apparel from. You can get all types of different apparel from, and they're also a big supporter of West Wellbeing, our mental health charity, folks. We are now offering BTP, Beyond the Pitch shirts and stuff available for sale. 100% of their proceeds go towards West Wellbeing, mental health charity. And that is so much appreciated. So thanks to all of you for all your support. Calm, all the best, mate. Thanks, Milan. See you, mate. See you